Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started. Welcome back to Really Well Women. In today's episode, we are talking about navigating life's transitions. And the topic was relationships. And the, the questions that we had received were really talking about relationship transitions in romantic relationships and what happens when your relationships change at different points of life and because of different experiences you've had. And that was what we were going to talk about. At the time of this recording, we are in an unprecedented moment in time where we are all in lockdown because of COVID-19. And I hope for those of you listening into the future that you remember this as a blip in time and that it was nothing overly stressful in the end, but right now it doesn't necessarily feel that way. And people's relationships are being challenged for so many different reasons. We are now, we're used to historically having such busy lives and being go, 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 and often really being independent within a relationship. Some people even saying they're lonely within a relationship. And now we're in a house together. And so today we really wanted to empower you with tools that you can use to help to improve not only romantic relationships, but also help to reconnect with people at a distance because healthy relationships are so critical to getting through these moments and times as we transition through what society's going through. The other thing we really wanted to talk about today is this whole perception of success in relationships and what a successful relationship looks like. Because we're seeing on TV, we're looking at all of these different things and we're saying, okay, this is what success looks like. This is what a healthy relationship is and striving for those things. And that may not necessarily be healthy, aka we were talking about this earlier, reality TV shows that are just talking about romantic relationships and constantly having intercourse and that being defined as success, that's not necessarily going to be a reality for a lot of people, especially as we're going through stress, right? Men may want more sex, women may want less. Sometimes men even want less, right? It's it's very different for every relationship. And so we really want to take that success topic out of it, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, and really talk about the realities of how to connect with family and friends and how to give them the type of connection that they really need. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point um, with this, Sarah, because in a sense, we're all living our own reality TV show at the moment. You think of there's been these programs like Big Brother, and really we are all in a bit of a Big Brother setting. Everything that's within a relationship becomes magnified in the situation. Um, You know, those little idiosyncrasies, those little things that you've just put up with or you've bit your tongue over the time with a family member, it's very much amplified in this situation because with the lockdown, that's all we can do is be with our family members. And for some people, they're loving it. For other people, we understand that it's a very difficult time. And so, as you've mentioned, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. But one thing we'd also like to um, emphasize quite strongly here is that there's going to be a difference between when we're looking at personality types and other situations whereby 
if you're in a situation where there's like a domestic violence situation, please do reach out, get the assistance where needed. Um, this is going to be about general behavioral um, patterns and behaviors. But in other extreme cases, we do urge you to, to seek the appropriate um, help in that situation. And so with that in mind, um, what I thought we could do, first of all, is, is carry on from uh, what we were talking about as regards, there's a lot of pressure in society, isn't there, for this perfect type of relationship. And what we've realized we've got to, first of all, from the outset, realize is that nobody is actually perfect. And we've mentioned before how with social media, that we, there is a bit of a facade, you know, this fake appearance of what is normal. Uh, but sometimes when we go beneath the surface, it's not actually what it is. It's usually a lot of smoke and mirrors. And so with this today, we're going to break down and look at relationships and, and look at different ways that we can um, navigate through our own big brother experience as it was at the moment. Um, because the thing is that we all interact differently. People are very different. And some people are very quick to react to certain behaviors. Other people can be very reflective. And so what this can do is it can start to cause a lot of misunderstanding in situations. And so that's why today we're going to look at different aspects um, on that side of things. And with that in mind, I just wanted to also bring out in a previous podcast I discussed with Sarah, we were talking about the fight or flight stress response. And I broke down those three different areas, the fight, flight, and the freeze um, concept. So when we're in situations where we're very highly stressed, we're going to be seeing, we're almost doing our own case studies in our own homes. We're going to be seeing the default stress response that we and our family members go into and thinking of the very high intensity, the financial concerns, job issues, all sorts of things at the moment. We are being very heavily challenged in, in various ways. So if we're able to develop a lot of things we've already talked about in season one with developing mindset creating a bit more objectivity in what is a very very challenging time we can just stand back in in certain situations when we know that those family members mean well at other times we can just identify that when they are a bit snappy or they're showing signs of um raising their voice, narrowing their eyes, sort of puffing their chest up. We know that that, for instance, is a fight stress response. And we know that if we can just um, deal with that situation calmly with them, then we're able to kind of get them back into a level of or state of balance, that homeostasis. But we're all going to be at different levels, peaks and troughs. And we're all wanting to look after everyone's physical, emotional, mental health at this point. And you're right. It's such a difficult time right now. We are under so much stress. And when, when we're under this much stress, we see both everyone's best sides, but we also see their worst sides. And no matter what relationship that is, your boss could be exploding on you. You could have a coworker who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Your kids could be wreaking havoc. And so it's really just respecting the ins and outs of that, but then also using tools to realize how to reconnect, which is what we're going to go in today. And I was just going to say, can I add on to that, Sarah? Because, um, I, you know, for a long, long time, we've all said that society's become quite, um, uh, you know, it's great. I mean, we use digital arenas. We're using this to create the podcast and things. But sometimes what's happened is that the social interaction has been lost to technology. And in a sense, we're kind of being deliberately forced to stop 
and create those conversations. Go back to playing board games. Get back to doing um, nursery rhymes or whatever it is with the children. If we weren't doing so much of that and instead would just stick an iPad in front of their face, um, we're going back to the things that our grandparents and, and parents did as children. So in a sense, it's, it's actually learning a lot of social skills, which you know, many psychological, you know, psychologists, lots of experts are saying that children are losing those social skills. So we could actually spin this to our advantage and go, do you know what, for the next, whatever it will be, three, six months, could we start to think, actually, how can we use this to educate the entire family and the youngest generation to go back to what we basically did um, or our previous generations did, move away from the devices and actually start to connect on a deeper level, understand the verbal and nonverbal communication. It's such a powerful time that we could actually be creating our own sort of um, psychology course within the family and getting to understand people at a deeper level. Absolutely. It's funny. My husband keeps saying, we need to get board games. <laughs> so it's funny <laughs> that you say that because it's true. It's about yeah. learning to connect at, at a different level. And I see like when we're talking about that connection, I see core values is such a huge thing. And it's something that I'm seeing, speaking of things that are coming back that we've talked about so much more in the past, core values is, is something that we are now getting back into and discussing and realizing that so many conflicts, especially at this period of time, come down to core values. So if you have a partner who values stability and values pri providing for the family and they've lost their job and you value connection and time together and you are like, you know what? It's going to be fine. We don't need that money right now. That's mm -hmm. a going to be a huge source of conflict because your values are different, right? And so it's also a really helpful thing to realize when you have values that are in conflict because that's going to allow you the, the moment to be like, okay, this is why we can't agree on these things. And I find that these huge transition moments are also moments of core values, really either going smoothly, so closely together or coming so far apart. And so when I talk about core values, you can get all these lists online and all these type of things. I make everyone who works with me do a core values assessment. I'm surprised I haven't made Heidi do it. <laughs> That'll come. I like my definitions and my bullet points. So it'll happen. <laughs> exactly. And I like my checklist and my get things done list. <laughs> but with that, core values are something that you can go through as a family and going back to reconnecting as a family. It's something that even with kids, you can get them to come up with a list once they're like 10 or so of the things that they really, really want and really value in their lives. Do they want time with mommy and daddy? Do they want time playing board games? What does that look like? And when you have that list and you narrow it down to five or 10 things, so much clarity comes from that in terms of your relationships. And it's, it's a tool that I use so much now that I can literally see pretty much every conflict that I ever come into both within myself and within relationships is because of a value that I hold. And then I'm now able to communicate that, especially in these moments. It's really, really important. Freedom is one of my core values. We are stuck in homes. So yeah, for me yeah. to be able to communicate with Juan and be like, I'm really feeling like totally overwhelmed right now. I just need a little bit of freedom. I need to get out a little bit. Um, is something mm -hmm. that can be incredibly powerful. Um, also like knowing that Juan and I both have a core value of family. That's something that we can really grow our relationship in this time because we are, have so much togetherness. 
It, yeah, and I'd agree with that because it's, um, you know, when we've been reading recently in the media about these people fighting over things in the supermarkets and then mm-hmm. people going, what is going on with mankind and things? Um, that's when we have to differentiate between that being like a stress response, that fight yeah. or flight survival mechanism. I need this. I need this. I need this. And that's very different to these core values. And so that's why we need to kind of give people a little bit of, um, you know, just be easy on everybody because we're all going through different things. Because I think what's come out of this the most, which is the most positive, is that people have reevaluated what's important in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, People that may have had a focus on money have realized that actually money it's not important. It's your family. It's your life. It's your well-being. Your health, all those sorts of things, um, and and I think that's been a really good uh, lesson for people to to realise that. Um, and so that's why I just thought, as as a as a human race, we've all got different core values. But the deep deep part of it is is that we realise that we are social creatures and we need people and we need connections. And having that bond is so so important for everybody to connect with each other in various ways. And it's really interesting because when we were talking and planning for this episode, the things we kept coming back to was core values, personality types, and love languages, and how so much of those things is going to dictate our day-to-day relationships and is going to dictate how we communicate and how we work together. Um, And so speaking of those people fighting in the grocery store i struggle to believe that all of that is fight or flight some of that is personality yeah i know yeah i I get you i know what you mean i suppose with me i'm just trying to um not allow myself to get drawn into that because you know we're keeping this conversation at built upbeat but i i gotta say um you know as because i like uh, as an empath so with my work i've always had to work hard to to try and protect myself because as an empath you take a lot of that feeling and that emotion in and I think everybody's soaking a lot of that feeling in but to the point that I'd walk around the store and uh, you can see there's a level of suspicion that people are looking to see what you've got in your trolley and um, you know just it's like it's a bit of a judgment that's happening with everyone but also the fact that you deliberately being shown markings of how far to stand away from each other and you know I got in the car the other day and I actually had a really big cry because I, I realize how much just being near those people as, as a tribe or as a group of people, when you kind of feel like you're being ostracized as if you've got leprosy or something like that, um, it, re- it really hits you. And I had to go to a, sh- a store the other day just to get some stationery. And um, this, I was looking at something and this man said, uh, do you mind? I need to get that. I went, oh, so sorry. So I stepped back so we could keep our distance. And then I went, I'm so sorry. I was a bit preoccupied looking at that. And he, he just started a conversation. And at this point, Sarah, because I was saying to Sarah last week was a pretty tricky week for me um, because I had to temporarily close the wellness center. So it hit me quite hard. So what happened last week, I was still quite low. And this man just reached out to me and and just started a little conversation from a distance. And I just got teary and I just said, thank you for just taking that time. I said, because at the moment we all feel like we're being very robotic and we can't stop and talk for too long. But you just realize how much there's that loss that you feel because as a community, we would usually have that. Um, so that's why I just wanted to bring that out as regards, um, personalities and, and connecting, but I just wondered after the break, are we able to just talk a little bit more about personality and then flow on from there? What are your thoughts on that? 
No, I think it's perfect. And we'll also, I really want to loop in how your love languages just came out in that conversation because I think it's going to be so helpful for people to, to see and understand that. Yeah, great. Sarah here. Do you love what you're learning? Do you want to take your health to the next level? In addition to my book on weight loss resistance, Finally Losing, I'm developing a number of masterclasses on the evidence-based treatment of some troublesome women's health issues. We are going to cover hair loss, acne, how to support your body for preconception and pre-pregnancy, and so much more. To find out more, follow me on Instagram at drsarah underscore nd, or go to advancedwomenshealth.ca slash podcast to be the first to find out when they're released. Welcome back. Now, before the break, we were talking all about personality, core values, that sort of thing. We're going to just develop on from that shortly. But Sarah noticed um, me talking about uh, some feelings that I've felt recently with everything that's been happening. And it was all about love languages. And so I thought, could we develop on from that, Sarah? Because you were very interested in what I had to say there. I love a love language. My poor patients, my goodness, I talk about this all the time, but I I feel like when you truly understand someone's love language, and I don't want you to think this is just romantic love. If you're sitting here and being like, I don't have a partner, this doesn't apply to me. Not, not, not the case. I know the love language of everyone who works with me, my friends, all that kind of stuff, because it's really just how you receive how you like receive appreciation, how you receive love, how you receive from anything. And you made that perfectly clear. I got so excited before the break because you were talking Mm -hmm. about how now we're all physically distanced. It's like there's, you have leprosy, there's no touch. And then you're saying we're not even communicating. Um, So when we're talking about the love languages, I think the man's name is Gary Chapman. He has a whole book on it. I personally actually haven't even read the book and I still get a ton of value out of it, but there's five different love languages. So words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch are the five different love languages. And so listening to Heidi and Heidi's situation, physical touch is clearly something that she values in a relationship. And that doesn't have to be necessarily holding hands, but just being physically close to someone is is something that is of value. In my situation, for example, my mom always gave me gifts. Always, always, always when I was little, like little tiny things. She would be like at the store and she would see like a ginger tea and was like, oh, I got you this ginger tea. And that's how I was taught to receive love. Um, so that's very much a part of, of my love language. My husband could not give a rat about gifts. So I would get him all these gifts and he would be like, okay, thanks. And I felt like he wasn't accepting my love. And so it was a huge issue in the beginning of our relationship because all he wanted was physical like touch and being together. And I couldn't care. I was like, I don't need to sit next to you on the couch. Like give me my space. And so it was a huge source of like a huge obstacle in our relationship. And I've had this with friends as well. Friends who have like words of affirmation is really important to them. It's not important to me. I don't need someone to tell me I'm great all the time. And so from that side of the coin, not having that connection for them caused a huge conflict. And so we're going to see more and more of these things now as relationships are challenged with all of these distancing, because if you are a quality time person and you're not physically getting quality time with people, those relationships are going to feel harder to maintain. If you want 
physical touch all the time and you are at a distance from a friend or partner, then that's going to be really, really difficult. Um, whereas mm-hmm. if you know someone's love language is words of affirmation, then you can give a ton of words of affirmation right now at a distance to really maintain the strength of those relationships. So I just thought that was a perfect example about how it doesn't even have to be with a friend or a partner, it can really be with a stranger or the world, how you receive that. Um, So that's something that no matter what someone's personality type is, which is what we're going to kind of get into after, that this is something that you can really grab onto and develop within the relationships you have at home. So ask your partner. They have a quiz online, so you can do the quiz. And you can say like, okay, my partner really needs words of affirmation. And so I'm going to make sure that a couple times a day I'm checking in with them and telling them all the things that they're doing to support me. And I think that's really good as well, because, you know, we are spending this time together much more and it could really be used as a massive focus on let's just redefine where our relationship is here, because, you know, we are talking about in this whole series about transitioning through different phases of our life. And so this could be that we're at a different phase now that the children have left home or they are less dependent on us, but they are still at home. There's all different factors. And we just need to find out where we are within that relationship either, you know, as we, we maybe is in a partnership as well as with the children, because everybody's demands, their needs, they will be changing. So it's using that opportunity. And, and it's, I mean, human behavior is, it's so fascinating, isn't it? Um, and you mentioned about the love languages. And I thought, can I just weave in here about personality types? Because it's, it's becoming familiar what somebody's love language is, but then also having an idea of the types of personalities that can, people can have. And in these situations, how they can butt heads, either butting heads in the sense that they live together and trying to understand or in friendships where, whereby those friendships, you might be connecting through phone calls, Zoom, through text messaging, whatever it is. Um, but what's happening is, is that you're starting to see those personalities and things that were in a less intense situation have shifted. So you've got some people that are trying to problem solve, whereas other people just want to talk about their issues in this instance. So I just wanted to highlight because there are like four really main, four main categories for personalities. But when I kind of explain each of them, you can see how we don't just have one. We kind of maybe weave into one or two of them. But when I just explain this, I'd like you to kind of see why some of those personalities get on really well. And other ones, they can wind the hell out of people, wind them up really crazy because of those personalities. And remember, this is through the lens that we view the world. It's our perception. So what we we think we're normal and other people we may find is highly irritating. You know, um, so it really is depending on things like our core values, our love languages and our personality types. So you've got like one of the, the I'm going to class them as one, two, three, four. So in group one, for instance, the sort of personality you have there is somebody that's quick to do something quick to action and they're happy to take command if needed Um, and that's the sort of person that just makes things happen for themselves or makes things happen for people generally Um, and the thing is when they get going they're on a roll and they can sometimes be uh, real control freaks they can micromanage people as well Um, and sometimes they can find it really hard just to let go Um, and then also what you might find is that those sorts of people a task orientated rather than relationship orientated. So they don't mean to sound clinical and cold, but they're the ones that 
I'm the fixer. I'm going to help you get sorted through this um, situation. They, they're the ones that are the solution-based people, which is really great. And we need those sorts of people. Um, but also we need to bring in a little bit more of the relationship aspect. Um, then we've got the second group. So you can see how they link in. Um, they can be really amusing. They can be very creative. They're the inspiring ones, the ones that lift the mood regardless of who they're with. Um, and the thing is that the problem is if they're given too much time or too much space, they'll consume a conversation, they'll consume the room, they'll just take over. And sometimes they don't know when to stop. So you can see where that can be a bit full on, you know, and you're like, crikey, just give me some space. It's like you've got to let them find a breath so that you can jump in, you know, so they don't mean to be like that, but it's just their personality. But then this is where it starts to shift slightly. Now you can see where the irritations can come in. Because with the people like in group three, I'm going to call them group three, they're the ones that they're easy to hang out with because basically they're very pleasant. They genuinely care for people, which is a really good core value. But what they can sometimes be to some people is quite wishy-washy. Uh, they can be very unclear, quite like procrastinators. And so the thing is they don't actually want to make a stand for anything they'll just go with the flow and it's this indecision which really irritates people that starts to kill the energy within conversations um and those sorts of people sometimes they have issues with their identity they don't know where they stand sometimes again they'll just go with the flow but then um i've been thinking about um the government over here in australia the group four those sorts of people they kind of make me think of what we've got as our leaders at the moment, because considering this crisis, you know that they're really stressed, but they're, they're really taking control quite well. Um, and this group four, I, I call them, they're quite calm, they're level-headed, they're thinking before they speak, so they're very measured in what they say. They have this ability to stay and keep cool, you know, considering the situation that they're in. And it's something that a lot of people admire if they could just have that that way. But what's also interesting is this personality, because a lot of like in this instance, politicians can be lawyers, you know. So what they can have is quite an analytical, critical mindset. So although they're very level headed and very calm in situations, sometimes this personality can lead to more of a suspicious, critical nature and sometimes find it very hard to to trust people because of that, uh, because of maybe their training. That's why they've gone into law, for instance, because of that, that clinical side, that analytical side. So can you see how it all flows from people that have been pretty chilled back and will go with the flow to people that are solutions orientated to other people that want to stay calm, but there's a little bit of a, a cynical um, aspect there. So there's, that's four main categories. And you might think, well, I, I, you know, I'm in one of three or whatever, or you've got three of those personalities, but can you see why there are personalities that will butt heads? And so some gravitate towards others because if they want solutions, they know they can bounce ideas off of the people, whereas other people are just pretty happy to sit at the beach and just go with the flow. And there's moments right now when we're all kind of stuffed together like sardines that you're going to see conflicts in these things too, which is also helpful to know that that person is well intended, but it's just their personality. Like my husband loves to solve things. He just loves to solve things. So I'll be sitting there and wanting to talk through the fact that same, like my clinic closed and what that's going to look like and coming up with ideas and strategies and plans. And he just wants to give solutions. And like mm -hmm. last week I found myself, I'm like, don't solve this. Like I 
just want to talk about it, right? So from that side of the coin, it's also really helpful to see those personalities in action right now and to be able to have that conversation. Communication is key right now. It's the most important Mm -hmm. thing in any navigation of any relationship because you're right. Like the periods of time that relationships change the most is in crisis. It's after having kids. It's when your kids leave the house. It's, it's those moments, right? That your huge pressures are put because everything changes and destabilizes, which is why we talk about personalities. So you can see that and kind of forgive that and be like, okay, that's kind of yeah. where they are, but then reconnect on love languages and reconnect on core values. So you both really have a value of spending time together and you have a value of family. Okay. Then find out how to make that work so that you can bring that relationship back together or recognize that you don't share core values. Your love languages are not going to be something that's compatible. And the personalities are in such conflict that whatever crisis or whatever has destabilized to the point that you don't want to be there anymore. And sometimes that's okay. Like we'll find that with friendships. There's going to be in multiple places. So we're giving you solutions and things to do to put in place to come back together. But sometimes there's moments where you've checked all those boxes. They're not aligning and you say, you know what? Okay. Maybe this isn't now the best place for me. That's right. And the thing is, it's also, um, understanding that relationships um chop and change over the years don't they and different things happen and sometimes you'll connect and then you sometimes move away from that group but then you reconnect again at different times because they could be going through different transitions in their life having children uh dealing with aged parents and so Mm -hmm. the attention and focus will go elsewhere and and i think that's where it's also having that objectivity being mindful in everything that we're doing and thinking just because you say you're right, it doesn't always mean that I'm wrong. I'm just looking at it from a different angle, a different lens, with a different personality, slightly different core values. And so when we do that, it's also in realizing, we've mentioned before, what we focus on grows. Mm-hmm. So whatever we condition our mindset to is what we see in the world. And, and we've also got to realize that we, we can have a negativity bias. That's what a lot of psychologists will say is that that's why the press love headlines that have a shocking um, very disempowering headline because it's clickbait. We click on that because we have this negativity bias. So with this, it's trying to rein and change that plasticity, that that shaping of our brain, because we can change our brain all the time with what we feed our brain. And if we feed it to more empowering, proactive measures and realizing that we, we're all just very complex human beings, but we do amazingly well to come together mm-hmm. and give each other just that little bit of slack because that's what's happening. We've all, we've all got a story to say. Everybody out there has got at least one inspiring, empowering story that we could learn from. And it's just taking that time to do it. And these are the times that we can do it. You know, reach out to a friend and start asking them questions such as, you know, what brought you to here or what's your strengths? What's your passion in life? And and that is refocusing our mindset away from all the very full on anxiety, overwhelming feelings we can have to using the prefrontal cortex, which again, when we do that, we're reasoning, we've got that um, emotional intelligence, and we're trying to shut down that stress response because, you know, that's what we're trying to manage at this point here. And, and I was going to say with that in mind, Sarah, I know when we were uh, in communication yesterday and I said to you, 
it's like the world is going through one massive pandiculation. And if anyone's familiar with somatics, pandiculation is the three-step process that we use to reset the neuromuscular patterns within our, our mind and body. So from poor posture, from poor habits and behaviors and movement, we can create very tight muscles. And so we use pandiculation to soften and release those tense muscles. We could still take that principle to society and mankind as a whole, because with a pandiculation, when you contract a muscle, you wake up your brain. And if you think about it, this virus has woken up society as a whole. And then as we start the second phase of a pandiculation to lengthen and release tense muscles, in a sense, with this, we're starting to just release and let go of that resistance and those um, limiting beliefs that we may have had. So that at the end of this whole experience, we get to the stage or step three, like in a pandiculation, if, if we're in a, in a muscular setting, that step three would be just to let everything fully let go and release and let your brain just reorganize this new behavior. And in a sense, step three of a pandiculation of the whole world and society is that we've looked back and we've seen we've had that wake up call. We've seen that we've released and let go of any resistance and bad habits or poor habits, changed our mindset. And that third step is just reflecting on where we are now, maybe six months on from here, and seeing how actually this could be building us into a stronger, more resilient person than we were before and making us look at our priorities and, and actually reassess what our priorities are in life. And I think that's such a great way to kind of wrap it up because it is a visual for people to come to understand how we can look at the positives and we can take these relationships and change them for the positive, whether that is staying in them or not, right? That's going to be positive for you if that's the outcome you want. And so I really do think being agile and being aware of the environment and being aware of the pressures this environment puts on us and how we're going to change as a group, as a collective is such an important life transition. Um, and so with that, why don't we just wrap up and talk about what our takeaways are in terms of looking at these relationships? What are the three things that if you could say, leaving today's episode, it's like, what are the things that we want people to remember and want people to take action on? I'll let you take it away, Heidi, and then I will go through mine. Okay, so first of all, I'd say let's just um, have that consideration of we've all got different personalities. So we just want to give ourselves a little bit of um, slack at this point and realize that we're living in a, in a very intense environment. So again, uh, in our little mini big brother setting, that social experiment. So just noticing that things will be heightened. And if we can just step back, even in some of the most heightened situations, step back and notice and think to, think to yourself, look, I love this person. Person, and I know that this is a stress response or this isn't how they would usually behave, but we're in a very intense moment in time. But then what would be ideal is creating that reconnection because as we've mentioned from different instances, and it's not just what we're going through now, but it could be through bereavement, it could be through um, parenthood, um, chronic illness, caring for elderly parents where, you know, a dynamic shift and change. It's really, really important to reconnect as couples and as within relationships. So for instance, what we could do is teach our partner what our needs are. 
and those needs will change through the course of relationships so it's always keeping that communication what are your needs but then just as important is to work out and discover what your partner's needs are and so all of this requires communication and we know that communication is the lifeblood of any relationship and we also know that assumption is the killer of communication so instead of assuming these things if we create an open dialogue and we start talking quite openly um, sometimes it can be quite matter of fact but we want that communication because we can find out what's truly going on inside my takeaways are going to always go back to knowing yourself first, right? So again, knowing your needs, like we were saying, but also know what your love languages are. Know really what those core values are, because when you know in yourself, you can bring that out in other people. And I do find with any type of communication, it's always about one person kind of leading it. It's it's very rare that in a relationship there's two people who are really strong communicators. And sometimes we want our partner to to come to us. I know I've been guilty of that, being like, no, I'm gonna get make him ask me what's going on. Um, but from that side of the coin, it's this is a moment where communication and taking action in those relationships is key. So do the exercises to figure out your love languages, do those quizzes, come up with your list of core values as a family too, as a family unit. I think it's great also separately. So looking separately and then coming together on these are the values of my family. This is what my family is going to agree on. This is, or this is my friend group, right? If you're looking at a friend group, these are the values that we are going to share and that we're going to abide by. Um, those things can be so, so helpful to come to appreciate how to work together and navigate together because it's all about weathering the ups and downs of life. Um, and I really think those two foundational pieces are, are really critical. So I don't think that was three, but that's most important ones from my perspective in terms of the key takeaways is working on those two things, coming up with them as yourself and as a group, and then choosing to weather those things together. Yeah, fantastic. And that's it. And I just think it's a really nice um, way to kind of frame it at the moment, because we're, we're really, all of us are redefining what a relationship actually is, rediscovering, reshaping everything about it. Um, and we need something like a virus to sometimes stop us in our tracks and do these things. And so if we can turn this whole situation into an advantage, um, hopefully what we've talked about today is, is giving people a lot of food for thought to go off and take those proactive measures with them. On that note, I really do just want to empower people to take such good care of themselves in this moment to honor what we're going through. And we're going to try not to talk too much about it because we do want to provide this as a reprieve from everything that you're hearing in the news. But I think when we're discussing relationships specifically, it's so, so critical that we bring up the current environment. So take this, embrace it, and we really hope that you can focus on these transitions uh, in a positive way and be really well within them. Yeah, fantastic. So take care, everybody. Stay safe, stay well. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. Also, spread the word so we can increase the feeling of really well women all around the world. So until next time, take care.